Studios. This, this is the award-winning After 9 with Scott and Kat. Powered by Tony Johal, broker at REMAX Twin City. Your home sold guaranteed or he'll buy it. Hey now. Hi. <laughs> what a shit show it is outside. It's go- it's, a, it's a gross day. I don't know what time you're listening to this, friends, but currently we're like in this uh, lull, as you uh, put it, well put, where we had a just a dumping of rain overnight. And it was nice to see some of the snow melt off. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, it was kind of good to be able to see past, like, I don't know, down my street, for example, because the snow melted a lot of it. But obviously, we know snow is about to pile up on top of it. So fun. And, and, and ice. And ice. Lots of ice. I hadn't seen my new driveway until I left for work this morning. Oh, very good. How I was that like, look? oh, look at that. It's black underneath. <laughs> Great. Cool. It does exist. <laughs> I got to play for you the funniest thing I saw all day yesterday. And I think that when people hear this... They can relate, particularly if they live in Ottawa. I don't know where they found this guy, but his rant yesterday towards the truckers in Ottawa was legendary. Listen to this. Just to make sure it's clear, fuck you. Shut up. Shut up and go fuck yourself. Fuck you and fuck you. That sounded like it was straight Ricky from the Trailer Park Boys, by the way. Didn't like, it? just side note, that reminded me of something. And fuck you, and fuck you, and fuck you. Fuck you, and your your tailgate <laughs> parties, and your goddamn nonsense. Fuck you, and fuck you, and That's fuck great. you. Oh, my gosh. So tensions are tensions are there. They're, they're, they're happening. It's happening. I, I know two different cops that have been asked to go to Ottawa this weekend, yeah. and both of them said no. They know what's about to go down, and they don't want any part of it. What is about to go down? Uh, they're going to go in and clean out the camp. Uh, you know what, though? I mean, maybe Mother Nature will do the work for them. Maybe this Emergencies Act was completely unnecessary. They're going to get 20 to 30 centimeters of snow in Ottawa today. Apparently, they're honking again, and the residents are freaking out because they've got an injunction to prevent them from honking, but they're honking anyway. Oh, geez. It kind of seems like they want a showdown, and I think they're going to get it this weekend. Ottawa police have already warned residents that they're going to see some police techniques that they're not used to seeing. Oh, wow. What does that even mean? Wow. Yesterday, Children's Aid in Ottawa announced that they, uh, if you have kids and you're part of the protest, you should make alternate child care arrangements for the kids because you may end up in jail. Yeah, make sure your kids are covered. You know, I mean, it's quite crazy to me that we've reached this point. I'm still not seeing the emergency per se, but for whatever reason, they've gone ahead and and put this in. It's going to get voted on today in Parliament and then tomorrow in the Senate. And it's going to pass in Parliament because the NDP is going to support it. They said reluctantly they will support it. The Bloc and the Conservatives have said absolutely not. So it's going to be a mess. It's just going to be a mess. And then, of course, there's the Prime Minister. I don't... I'm sure you saw yesterday the comments he made to Member of Parliament Melissa Lansman um, when he was answering a question during question period People are quite outraged at what the prime minister said yesterday. And frankly, a lot of people thought that the prime minister would be watching his words a lot more carefully after he's been accused so many times lately of inflaming the situation, of using divisive rhetoric. Well, in the House of Commons yesterday, when he was asked about 
um, this emergency declaration, mm-hmm. he used a talking point that he uses all the time. When he doesn't want to answer a question, he tries to throw it back at the conservatives and say, well, you were posing for pictures with these people, so it's your fault that this is still going on. But this time around, he worded it wildly inappropriately. Uh-oh. Uh, Melissa Lansman, for those who don't know, is a member of parliament from Thornhill. She is a Jewish woman and a grandchild of, sur- of Holocaust survivors. Here's a little bit of the exchange between the prime minister and Melissa yesterday. Mystic, hopeful vision for public life isn't a naive dream. It could be a powerful force for change. If Canadians are to trust their government, their government needs to trust Canadians. Those are the words of the Prime Minister in 2015. These people, very often misogynistic, racist, women haters, science deniers, the fringe. Same Prime Minister six years later as he fans the flames of an unjustified national emergency. So, Mr. Speaker, when did the Prime Minister lose his way, when did it happen? Right, Honourable Prime Minister. Mr. Speaker, Conservative Party members can stand with people who wave swastikas. They can stand with people who wave uh, the Confederate flag. We will choose to stand with Canadians who deserve to be able to get to their jobs, who be able to get their lives back. These illegal... That was the comment that has many, many people outraged that he would even use that swastika reference towards Melissa. Uh, apparently, a number of liberal MPs themselves have off the record said, why does this keep happening with this guy? He keeps putting them in a shitty situation. Now, I don't know what's going to happen, but at 10 o'clock this morning, which as we record is about 14 minutes from now, the prime minister has set aside time to address parliament. I would assume that with calls nationwide and across Israel, they are demanding an apology from Trudeau, I would think he's probably going to apologize for this. If he wasn't addressing her, if he was addressing somebody else, would this have still been a big deal? Uh, And maybe the answer is yes, but I'm just curious. Would there still have been a big deal about it? Well, he's done it many times. He keeps going to that talking point, and he's really trying to link the conservatives to uh, being part of this coalition, being being racist and things like that. He's, He's tried to do that for many, many, many years. He's always tried to take that wedge. But in this case, he was responding directly and didn't even answer the question to a Jewish member of parliament. And a lot of people feel that that was very offside and he should apologize. So we'll see what happens. It's going to be an interesting day and an interesting couple of days in Ottawa. Uh, Since day one, we've been calling for this to be peaceful. And I really hope it does end peaceful. The um, legislation for the Emergencies Act will get tabled today and drawing into question its need again all of the border blockades have now ended peacefully. That's good. All of the borders are open. There are no protests happening at borders. They are all just in Queen, uh, sorry, not Queens Park, uh, outside the House outside, of Commons yeah, right, right. in Ottawa. Okay. Uh, does that change things? Because part of the emergency order, a large part of it is about protecting infrastructure like bridges and borders. There's no protesters near any bridges or borders right now, unless you want to count that bridge to Gatineau. But even when you get to the other side of it, when you're in Quebec, there's protesters there too. So I'm really not sure that this is going to happen uh, the way everybody would like, but I have a reason to believe that we will be under, officially, the Emergencies Act later on today.
Well, actually, the Senate has to approve it as well. And I guess anything could happen there. But unprecedented times, Kat. We've never seen anything like it. It's never happened in Canadian history. They are going to uh, put this in, and that will be Justin Trudeau's legacy. Let's move on and get to a couple other things. One of the things that we heard a lot of during the pandemic was restaurants complaining about the insane fees that those delivery apps charge them to be on the app. Yeah. If you are McDonald's or if you're Burger King or Wendy's, you can negotiate with those apps and you can say, hey, listen, if you want McDonald's on your app, you got to cut that commission down to X. Or if you want Burger King, you're going to have to give us a break on the fees. We're not going to pay the same as a restaurant that's a standalone location. And they did get fees that worked for them. But then about those smaller chains, those mom and pop shops, they're forking over like 20% plus to some of these apps just to have their menu on there and have people be able to order on the app and get it delivered. Some provinces did cap those fees. Not all of them did. A lot of restaurants spent a lot of money on them. And now we can see the results of that. DoorDash has posted better than expected sales for its fourth quarter thanks to its growing active user base and an expansion of delivery options. The company said its revenue grew 34% in the fourth quarter to 1.3 billion U.S. dollars just from October until December. DoorDash says its DashPass members, who pay a monthly fee for unlimited free deliveries, swelled to 10 million people during the quarter. That's up a million people. Yeah. In one quarter. Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised by that at all. I had exactly zero delivery apps on my phone before coronavirus hit here. Now I have a couple. And although I don't use them all the time, I will tell you, I've been able to use them. I obviously use them more often than I would have. And also, I really like the fact that I'm trying new places. You know, and it sucks for the mom and pop shops because, yes, of course, their fee that fees can be can be a lot. But a lot of them, when you talk to them, will tell you it, it's worth it because someone like me, for example, is who only went to, let's say, a couple of sushi places. Let's say my favorite food, sushi. So I went to a couple of different places. That was my go to. It was either this place or that place. It's expanded for me because it's on, you know, skip the dishes or DoorDash, whatever, or Uber Eats, whatever it might be, because those places are available. I might be more likely to do that. And then going forward, maybe that means I'd be more likely to do a takeout order there or dine into your place. So it does open the door a little bit. Although the fees are the fees, it does open up that customer base a little bit wider, right? And and allow those people to get to know you and your restaurant as long as you do it well the first time. And I think that that matters, by the way. Do it right. I've had restaurants I've ordered from, honestly, that I'm just like, really? This is packaged like shit. It doesn't look very good. I don't think I'm going to go back to you. But at least I had the chance to try it out. And if you make that good impression through a skip the dish or through uh, an Uber Eats or whatever, you might be more likely to keep those customers too. And there's plenty that I've actually used because of the convenience of the app that I would never have just called randomly and done a takeout order or a delivery order for. Yeah, it definitely opens up doors for sure. The cost is crazy to businesses. When they're putting up 1.3 billion U.S. dollars in a quarter, that's just one of the apps 
How can you not be on it? Business owners must feel very frustrated. And there's still some holdouts. There's still some standalone restaurants that have said, nope, we're not yeah. doing it. We're not paying that fee. It's crazy. We can't even make money paying out that right. kind of a commission. Right. And there's some places that what they've done is attempt to flip the script and say, okay, so we may not be your typical you know, delivery place, but they've hired somebody. So they have a driver. I've seen that around where it's like, you can call us for delivery between the hours of 4 p.m. and 10 p.m., for example. So they've hired their own driver instead of going through these channels in the hopes that that's going to save them money, but still be able to have the delivery option, which is important for a lot of people. I mean, some people make purchases and they're unable to drive. They don't have a car or they, they've been drinking or whatever the case might be. They're going to they're gonna want your food. Giving a delivery option of some sorts, it's great for some people and it works for some people. And others who decide to opt out of it, as long as you're you're happy with your business model as is, I don't think you should feel the pressure to be on it, but it does definitely open doors for you if you are. I'm wondering, are you the enemy? I mean, if you're DoorDash and you find this restaurant over here is offering their own delivery service, are you trying to get them to, because it seems like every time I spot someplace that I can't find on the app, boom, the app sends me a coupon for like 25% off. It's like they really don't want me to order from a restaurant that's not there. I'll tell you why I don't think they're the enemy. They've employed so many people, particularly throughout this pandemic, and they continue to hire so many people who are able to drive on those flexible hours that they're looking for. They've been able to help out, you know, uh, know, single parents, for example, who need that flexible schedule. I've seen so many people jump on that. I don't know. I know that depending on the service, it pays it can pay pretty good if you're willing to work for it. So I think in in that aspect, too, you're creating jobs. I don't think of them as evil or the devil. If I had the opportunity to call an order for takeout and and pick it up myself, I absolutely do that as a consumer, knowing that it's going to cost them money, but also gives me, makes me feel okay that I can tip somebody else who's a driver for that company, who's employed by that company and able to work those flexible hours that they need to, to provide for their families. I think that's a good thing too. I don't think it's all evil. Yeah, I agree with you. A lot of people made money off of that, and that's good. It's just those restaurants, man. But we should also mention, today's reopening day in Ontario. 100% capacity in restaurants, bars, gyms, uh, theaters can go to 100% capacity. We have reached that date. But there is a bit of overlap here. For the next 11 days, even though they can be at 100% capacity, it still has to be fully vaccinated only. It's not until March the 1st that the capacity restrictions come on. I'm just waiting for it. Every time somebody goes into a restaurant or a bar and they don't get asked for their Vax passport, we get a DM about it. Somebody will say, hey, this place here, they're not checking. And word starts to circulate. And knowing that it's gone in 11 days, I'm wondering how many restaurants are even going to bother. Are they even going to bother having that hostess at the front that's there just to check Vax passes? Or are they going to do this to the letter of the law right through until midnight on March the 1st? I think different restaurants are going to have different answers to that question. But you can tell that it's uh, the, the countdown to March the 1st is on. And I have a feeling March is going to be a busy month in the restaurants and bars. Nightclubs can reopen now, too, can't they? I believe so. Are they restricted? Are they full capacity open? Is the war on dancing over now in Ontario? Oh, yeah, that's a great point, too. Like the live bands and things like that. You couldn't no dancing. And so a lot of the time, those bands, by the way, they got fucked, too. Oh, they did. Like, you know, they weren't able to perform because, no, the performing leads to dancing and we can't have any of that. No singing either. I'd imagine that, yeah, that's going to open up a little bit more, too. I hope that everybody takes their time, 
goes at their pace. If you're not ready, don't go. If you're sure. if you're going to go somewhere and feel uncomfortable, don't go. If you're going to go there just to kick up a fuss, don't go. But if you're ready and you meet the criteria right now, fully vaxxed and in 11 days, doesn't matter, then go. Have a good time. Spend some money. Support these businesses that have gotten shut down unfairly for times mm-hmm. for prolonged periods of time support them as much as you can and to those business owners that did get shut down congratulations on reopening i'm really happy for you this must be at least somewhat of a feeling of freedom the next thing we need is someone to say we're not going to do this shit again if there's a fifth wave sixth wave <laughs> you want to guarantee wave, you want to guarantee is what you want right i want a little bit of direction right i want doug to come out and say in the past i uh turtled and cowered and every time the doctor told me to do something I freaked out and raced as fast as I could to do it in the future we're going to take a look at where the actual risk is and if the actual risk isn't in restaurants and bars or gyms we're not shutting them down it doesn't make sense to do it it doesn't make sense to do it right Uh, we got a lot of great feedback on yesterday I had so many DMs Mm -hmm. Uh, it seems like anecdotally just scanning through my DMs about 50% feel like Doug Ford is being sincere and about 50% think he is just lying to get himself elected. Absolutely. And, and I got a mixed bag as well, but most people say that they're at least happy we're here now. And of course, I mean, that's what they, that's how they want you to feel too, right? Like, well, at least we're here now, you know, uh, maybe we just, maybe we could forget about it, right? That's what they want. Bygones be bygones. Hey, I don't know. I don't know if they can manage it. Sorry, I shut you guys down four times and completely tanked your business, but eh, let's just be buddies again. It'll be interesting. I'm curious to see how it goes down as well. Uh, As we continue to roll through a whole bunch of things that I want to talk about here, the Oscars have announced a change, and it's probably a change for the better, but I don't know if it's going to help their ratings. They're creating a new category. That's right. And here's the deal. I think we all know that the ratings were the worst in history last year. I think most people know when you watch the Oscars, there's a good chance you haven't seen half of those movies, unless you're some kind of a movie buff that watches movies all the time, constantly, particularly ones that have buzz. You haven't watched barely half of them, if any at all. Mm -hmm. So what they're trying to do here, I mean, I understand what they're trying to do, get those ratings that they also want. And by two, actually two different announcements that came down this week to try to get people to watch the program. That's what, that's what this move is. That's all this move is. You can tweet... And nominate your favorite movie of the year. So cinematography, acting even, even acting aside, cinematography aside, anything else. What's your favorite movie of the year? And maybe for you, that was Jackass. Well, no, that would have been, I guess, technically, whatever. Maybe for you, that was, and a lot of people are talking about Spider-Man. So I'm going to use that as the prime example of a movie where, holy shit, it blew up the box office. It did so well, still in a pandemic, by the way. A lot of people really, really loved it. So in a Mar- any Marvel movie, name a Mar- Marvel movie of the last several years. People want to see that winning these kinds of awards. So basically what it does is give people the opportunity to vote for their favorite. Those no- that nomination list will come down and it's going to be the top five probably biggest in terms of g- revenue at the box office movies that there was. It's going to get all of those people that star in those movies to arrive to the show and then thus having people actually watch the program. So it all it all ends up with ratings. And then the other announcement they made, mm, three hosts this year. So stupid. I'm not sure if they're going to divide it up. To be honest with you, I didn't look into detail. I just thought, oh, no. 
the Oscars is supposed to be three hours. We all know it goes a little bit longer. So will they divvy it up? Amy Schumer, Wanda Sykes, and Regina Hall. Those are the three hosts for those who don't know. Are they going to divvy it up per hour? Are they going to have all three of them on at the same time? I could see them doing separate one host at a time per hour. And then them coming together at the end for the last, you know, 20 minutes or 30 minutes, whatever's left over, whatever runtime there is left. Hosting the Oscars is not a complicated gig. When you look at when they're actually on, most of the work of hosting the Oscars is done in the lead up in rehearsals and script writing and things like that. They don't actually have a lot of time on television during the show outside of the opening number. Having three of them do it. I don't know what the Oscars hasn't realized that Pepsi has, but Pepsi is a global leader in business. And even they knew that when we got to do something on a big stage like the Super Bowl, we're going to bring in somebody who knows what they're doing. Like Jay-Z, you put it together. I don't know why the Oscars haven't gone and contracted a Jay-Z or someone like that who knows the entertainment business, who knows how to create a good production and said, you do it all. We're going to worry about the movies aspect and the awards and we'll get our accountants to tabulate up the votes. You figure out the host, you figure out the entertainment, you make it work. They should outsource it because if they stopped this shit that they're doing where they end up with random people hosting and the Kevin Hart fiasco where they hired him and then took it back and Their ratings are tanking because they're not good at this. Hire somebody who knows what they're doing. Let them worry about the entertainment. You guys go ahead and make this a uh, uh, Jimmy Fallon production and let Jimmy book the host. Make this a Steven Spielberg production. Let him book the host. Let them take care of it. You guys are good at movies and figuring out if they're good or bad and figuring out which lighting is best in which movie. Get that entertainment thing off your plate because you guys are dropping the ball. When it comes to... This extra category, one of the most coveted things when you're an actor or actress is winning best picture at the Oscars or best actress, best actor. It doesn't mean as much because most people are onto them in that they don't celebrate movies that were popular with the people. They like the real artsy stuff. Sure. So at some point, I have to think that once this People's Choice Award comes out, it'll probably surpass the status of best picture. All best picture is going to mean is that technically you checked all the boxes. It was artistic. It had great costumes. It was well-written, that sort of thing. That's best picture in a technical sense. Best picture from the people, that's what should mean something, especially if the Academy hands out the award. So eventually that might even be the final category. You're not going to see Spider-Man nominated for best picture and that's wrong when we know that it was one of the most popular movies of all time people liked it people that go to theaters not the critics that just go there and judge movies and and write short reviews for magazines i'm curious how the actors feel about it because the actors that are nominated in this categories someone gave a great example when we were talking about this earlier on twitter they're like could you imagine you know when twilight was big and Twilight won all the uh, all this award or whatever because that was what everybody was talking about at the time. Yeah, and it kind of does give you a good variety, I think. Although hey, Kristen Stewart ended up with uh, with a nom all on her own uh, this uh, this season anyway, so eventually she did get there. But I do like the fact that there's a little bit of variety. I, but I, as an actor and actress, when you're like a Nicole Kidman, for example, are you like, holy shit, are you telling me that Post Malone could win a fucking Oscar? I mean, I don't know if they care. Maybe they do not care, but I am curious how they feel about it. But one thing that I still... Hollywood is so snobby. It wouldn't surprise me if that were the case. One thing that I would still like to see is what they did at the Brits 
And it, it's been called upon to them for many, many years, many award shows. And I, I, I stand with it. Why do let's just go genderless here? Yeah. Why are we comparing female acting to male acting? Oh, because yeah. there's the the physical difference. There's an advantage there's that none. men have. There's none. There's no advantage to either sex. Let's talk about the best actor in a movie this year. Let's talk about the best actor and call them actors. You know when you say actor, actress, you know they're all actors. You know who's the best actor all around? You know maybe then we'll take it seriously some of these prizes. Maybe then people will watch because you're going to have a good mixed bag and go ahead and bring it from 5 nominations to 10 in each category if you want to go that way. But don't make it this best female, best male. When it comes to singing, I feel the same way too. Like Grammys, why do we need to separate it by males and females? You want to try to have a balance. I understand that. You want to make sure that you have good representation. But some years, the females fucking dominate in acting and, and, and singing. Some years, the males happen to dominate in acting and singing. That's just how it is. You know, I, I, that, that part always gets me. But anyway, this is, this is an interesting change. So what about this? We continue on handing out the awards, but we make them genderless. It's just best actor. An actor can be an all-encompassing term, women sure. or or, yeah. or men. So we do that. But then 10 nominees in the category instead of five, and we hand out the awards like the Olympics, a gold, silver, and a bronze. Three oh, people out of 10 win. That's pretty good. Women or men. You might not want that runner-up prize, but yeah. I mean. Oh, well, thanks. For third best. Participation. <laughs> The participation. The rest of them get a shitty little ribbon. They all get a ribbon just for coming out. Because that's the times we're living in. (laughs) No, I I mean, I I think that they got to think about it that way, too. Maybe. I don't know. Speaking of the Olympics, our women's hockey team won gold. Mm -hmm. That's how you do it. You bounce back. They lost it four years ago in Pyeongchang. They have won it in Beijing in a game that in any other day, the women playing for a gold medal against the Americans at the Olympics would have been one of the most watched events huge, that month. Huge, But the game was on at like 1 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> what was it, 11? Did it start at 11 our time? I don't remember. All I remember is seeing it last night and being like, oh, maybe I'll stay up for the fuck. No, <laughs> I can't do that. What a disaster. I can't do that. So I just watched highlights when I woke up this morning, but I was very happy to see the, the end result. So congrats to the ladies team. But you know what? We kind of expected the ladies to win. They have an incredible team that trains so hard. Sure. They've got brilliant brilliant minds that are running the team and coaching the team like they are good and and that's not to take away from the skill level of those players they are the best in the world and that kind of also puts a spotlight thank god for hockey canada they're probably loving the fact that the women won the gold now because it takes some of the heat off of them for whatever the hell that was that they sent over as a men's hockey team out in the quarterfinals and it, and it sucks because you know how good our how our, our good our talent is. I mean, we got a phenomenal talent here in Canada. Why couldn't they bring any of like the world junior team into the mix? Because they're stupid. Is that why though, or is there a reason why we didn't have? some of those members in the team? Or did we have some? I'll be honest with you, I didn't even look at the roster. Once I knew that the NHL was out, I was like, eh, I don't know. It's a lot of has-beens, a couple of never-wers, and a couple of maybe some days. We had an exceptional world junior team. At the absolute least, we had great goaltending and the ability to score. I don't know why. When they just played together last month at the World Juniors, why didn't we just send them? And isn't the Olympics supposed to be the juniors? I get that you can't use pros unless they use an exception like when the Summer Olympics uses NBA players or the Winter Olympics uses NHL players. Fine, fine, whatever. 
but there were no NHL players this year. Why wouldn't we send an already established squad that has competed together and trained together and gone through COVID protocols together? Why wouldn't we just send the World Junior team? They're already there. Rather than trying to piecemeal shit together based on analytics, like, oh, well, we need a third-line left winger, and when we look at that in this scenario here, no, stop screwing around. Was there something in the fine print, though, that maybe if you're a potential draft pick you could still couldn't go like any consideration with the NHL when you look at the world juniors a lot of them may be I, I just assume um a, a potential draft pick or were drafted but aren't being actively used on those teams yeah some of those players so may that could be it they may be needed to go up in a COVID time and play with their NHL squad that owns their rights maybe maybe some of them are just they don't want them to go because their OHL team or their Quebec Major Junior League is going to make a run for a title this year. They don't want their players over in China when they should be here playing for their team. There's a lot of reasons, but we could have figured this out. Sure. You know, there has to be a way. Well, we were going to send the best in the world, the, Olymp- uh, the NHL players, to the Olympics. It didn't happen. But if we already have a team that's established, there we go. And by the way, these guys have just got their asses kicked in in Beijing, coming back with nothing because they're out in the quarterfinals. Just keep them playing. Keep them playing together. We're going to call that Canada's B team. We're going to call that Plan B. Actually, it should even be Plan C because the World Juniors team should be I first. I play on the B team. Well, I mean, shit. Womp, womp. We couldn't send our A team, so we sent in not the B team. We sent in the C team, which we just scrambled together. A bunch of guys. Some of them never even met. We don't know what their chemistry is like. Some of them haven't played in a while. I mean, the captain was Eric Stahl. That's fine, I guess, yeah. but he's one guy. Not one of our best. So, eh, I'm frustrated with the way it went down, but maybe this is a wake-up call for Hockey Canada. Or maybe we should just say, you know what? This Olympics was fine. We didn't send our pros. We didn't send the 20 best hockey players in the country this year. We sent the best 20 that were available. All right. Then just take NHL players out of it altogether and make this a competition either for juniors or for, I don't know, retired NHL players. Just do something, but take the NHL thing right out of the equation because it's going to get screwed up again in the future and there's going to be contract disputes about it. Just take it right off the table. I think think it being in China was a big deal for many people because I think if it was elsewhere, you'd have people like, remember Alex Ovechkin the last time around that said, I don't give a shit what you decide NHL. I'm playing for my country, so say goodbye to me if you want to. I've got all the power in the world to do that if I want to and definitely have enough money. So if you want me to leave the NHL and have people watch less hockey because I'm gone, then okay. So I think that because it was in China, though, there's the asterisk that you're looking for. Many of the players didn't want to go anyway. Because of everything that went down ahead of it, the games, right? Many of them, I think, were and okay with it. I don't blame them. Yeah, but next game, when it comes to next game, and I know Bettman's not a massive fan anyway of having his players be gone for the Olympics. No! Even though he should be okay with it, because it does nothing but promote NHL hockey to pretend, to people who maybe stumble upon these Olympic games, never have watched, and never have watched the sport at all, never have even glanced upon it, and that are now into it. I, I, I don't think it's that that negative, but for some reason, Gary Bettman doesn't seem to like it, and he's always huffing and puffing beforehand. And I understand that the teams and the franchises don't want their players to get hurt or risk injury doing this, because what matters to them is their team 
you know, but uh, to me, I, I do hope that we can get NHL players in there the next time around. But again, because it was in China, I don't really think many of them give a fuck. Well, I'll tell you, the uh, the women's team made this a much better day for the executives at Hockey Canada. Sure. Because after that failure from the men, I mean, everybody I'm talking to is just disgusted. They're like, what the hell is that? So you mean to tell me that if we don't send our 20 absolute top of the top, best of the best, we get eliminated in the quarterfinals? Surely to God, there's more than 20 competent hockey players in Canada. So either there's not, or we just pick completely the wrong squad. And that's that's four more years that we got to live with that, that we've got to wait to get another shot at it. Very, very frustrating. I got to tell you, by the way, today is National Random Acts of Kindness Day. Okay. I didn't know that yesterday, but I did a random act of kindness. And it turned out so bad. I was walking the dog. I was walking through uh, through Burlington, and there was a, a an older lady bringing her groceries in. And she had a minivan, and she parked it on the road in front of her house. And I watched this lady. She had to have been at least 75, carrying one bag. And then she'd come back, and she'd carry two bags. I'm guessing it was the bread and something else that was light. And then she brought another bag. And I'm watching this as I'm walking towards her house thinking – I don't like this. I'd really like to offer to help, but I don't want to be weird. I I don't want to put anybody in an awkward position. So I was walking the dog and I stayed back and I said, hi there. Hey, can I help you? And she was like, oh, uh, well, she obviously either wanted or needed help. And I said, I'll tell you what, listen, how about I bring those from your van to the front porch and you just bring them from the porch into the kitchen. I thought that that was probably a good compromise so that she's comfortable, but I can still help her the best I can. And if she wants me to come in, I'll even put them away for her. I don't want to see anybody who's older struggling like that. So she agreed to that. She was waiting at the kitchen or at the door, ready to take those bags in. Me, I grabbed a handful and I've still got the leash on for Charlie there. Carried a couple of bags up to the porch and I just sort of left Charlie there. I walked back to the van. There was no need to drag the dog back and forth up and down the driveway. He listens. He's good. I can leave him. (laughs) Fuck. I went over, picked up a couple more bags. I had a bag of potatoes under my arms and two bags of groceries that I was carrying in. I look over. Charlie grabbed a fucking banana out of the bag and ate it. Charlie. And here's the thing. She didn't this this lady didn't buy a bunch of bananas like we all would when we go to the grocery store. She bought four of them. And I have to assume that if you buy four bananas, that's cuz you only need four bananas. Well, now this poor woman's only got 3 because my dog is an asshole. Was she I'm sure she wasn't pissed though cuz you were helping and Charlie didn't mean it. Yeah, it was kind of like the elephant in the room. I'm setting the groceries down and trying not to drop her bag of potatoes there because nobody wants bruised potatoes. And and she kind of looked at the dog and looked at me. And Charlie's just sitting there with a fucking banana in his mouth. And I'm like, could you drop it? Like, you're just making this worse at this point. My dog and I have a very uh, human relationship, even though he's canine and I'm human. Like, I swear at him. And I'm sure he swears at me in his own little way, too. I was like, you're an asshole, Charlie. Why would you eat the fucking banana? Now I could. What do I do? I have to go and buy bananas for this poor woman and bring them back. I, I think you should. I kind of felt like I should, I too. Should. Like, is he a, I'm really sorry. My dog ate one of your bananas. Is he like a savage for food? Totally. Yeah. Leo, Leo, all these years, all these years I've had him. I can't when it comes to food. There's there's nothing I can do. There's really no amount of training 
because he knows what's what he can get if he if he doesn't jump the counter and attempt to eat the food that's on the edge of the counter, for example. Right. He knows I'm not I don't care that I'm going to get a little puppy treat if I don't jump up. I'd rather risk it and try to get a fucking chicken cutlet. Thank you very much. Uh huh. So that's what he does. And he is a savage. When I bring in groceries, I actually have to close him off into another section of the house because he will sniff in every bag and attempt to grab whatever he can. He doesn't give a shit if it's raw. He doesn't care if it's peeled. He's a straight savage. Uh, Almost 11 years old. I still, I can't. We just came to the agreement of, I'm bringing in groceries. You need to go into another room just temporarily until I get these groceries away. Thank God he just took a banana and didn't grab like the lady's cold cuts or oh, something yeah. like that. It could have been worse. What if he t- he could have taken a shit on the porch? I feel like that would have been worse. Like that's not the worst thing a dog can do. Take a banana. Well, I can clean up the shit. I just didn't want to have to go back to farm boy. Yeah, but that's so embarrassing. That would be more embarrassing than being like, well, I got to bring you a banana. Then it's just me <laughs> looking at the lady, the lady looking at me, the dog looking at both of us. Like who's going to clean that up? Did she, did she have a good sense of humor about it? She did. She smiled. Because you could too. I mean, you could drop a banana with a bow on it or a couple bananas on her porch in a little basket with a She'll know. You don't even have to add a card because she'll know exactly who it came from. Love Charlie. You could do. (laughs) Love Charlie the dog. (laughs) Yeah. You'd probably make her day. Like, that's what you should do today because that would be funny. Okay. You know what? I'm actually going to do that on my way home. I'll I'll buy her a replacement banana. But do I buy one banana or do I have to buy her a bunch? You buy a bunch. Okay. That's fine. That's a she'll small cost them. to pay. She'll freeze them because old ladies love freezing shit. So she'll just freeze true. the rest she doesn't use. Very, very true. They'll end up in her grandson's <laughs> uh, banana bread or something 100%. like that. Well, I don't know what it is with old people and freezing shit, but they love it. <laughs> if you've ever wanted to live at Disney World, this may be the closest you're going to get. Disney has announced plans to build its own housing communities across America. The first one is being built outside Palm Springs, and there will be at least two more. So for those who don't quite understand what that means, picture a gated community, uh, an area that's basically self-sufficient. They're going to build a town, and all of these towns will have a lake with water sports. They're all going to have banks and grocery stores and, and all the amenities that you would expect to find in a city. And they're going to be surrounded by houses, which people will own. But it will be designed, built, and maintained by Disney. You're actually living in a Disney community. That is so cool. They call it Story Living Communities. They say it will be very Disney-centric. There will be shops and restaurants, a park, a lake with water sports, and curated experiences for residents, such as entertainment, including Live shows. Each community will be managed by Disney cast members. That means you could have uh, Mayor Donald Duck. (laughs) You could have Councilman uh, Mickey Mouse. How are you supposed to take any meetings seriously with that? Is Woody going to be the sheriff of the town? Because that's what I want to know is who's in charge of law enforcement. I I actually kind of love this, but my concern is the price. I mean, it's not a realistic goal to live in one of these if I'm no. the average person, right? We're talking about like, I'm thinking it's either going to be really rich retirees or people might buy it up in order to rent it out. That's what's going to happen. Investors are going to swoop in like maniacs. They're going to buy it and they're going to treat it like a timeshare. They'll go there whenever they want. Yep. Half of Hollywood is going to own one of these Hollywood that has kids. And the rest of the time, they're going to loan it or rent it out to other people. 
I love that though. I think that that's I think that's pretty freaking cool. Did they did they show what it's going to look like? Is it going to be colorful, like very Disney, like you would expect? Is it going to look like uh, you know, like the painted ladies or whatever the hell it is? <laughs> like that's what I picture in my mind. Uh, the storybook living community. I'm looking at it right now. It looks like quite a big place. I mean, they're going to rent out or purchase acres and acres and acres of land and build it just like a subdivision, but a totally self-sustained one. If you live in one of these storybook living communities, you really won't need to leave. Grocery store and stuff like that. Everything's inside. Very expensive though. Like again, even like the grocery store has got to be expensive, for example. Right. Well, I'm looking at the the YouTube video and you can Google this if you want to see it. It looks beautiful, and they're already doing the sales pitch. Right now, there's Disney resorts that you can essentially buy points to have a certain number of weeks stays at. This takes this to a whole new level. Now you can live in that Disney atmosphere. I think it's pretty cool. I just don't know how much it's going to go for, and nobody seems to have any indication of what the pricing is like. Even the condo fees, though, are going to be insane. Massive. You pay a monthly fee to be part of that community, and that includes everything from the uptake on your lawn, and it will be Disney Imagineers that are trimming your hedges and making them look like Disney characters and stuff like that. It'll feel like you're at Disney all the time. Moana's fucking cutting your grass in the summer. (laughs) Hello! There will be a SpaceX launch pad for Buzz Lightyear and all the characters are going to have a role in this that's brand amazing. new community. I mean, that's so cool. That's a, that's a that's such a dream to be able to live in there. But like I said, I think it's a dream. But to rent it, I mean, I would absolutely I would absolutely go if it was on Airbnb, I would look it up. I would le- at least look into it. Jeep has teamed up with the electric scooter company Razor to produce an off-road version of the scooter. Do we need that? No. We already have dirt bikes. So an electric scooter that happens to be durable enough to take off road is probably not necessary. By the way, I thought they were so stupid at first. Now I think I'd kind of like to have a scooter. You would like, I could never picture you on a scooter. No, neither can I, really. You don't but seem like a scooter guy. <laughs> I'm not really a scooter guy. I have too much stuff that I take around with me all the time. I carry stuff just in case I need it. And that would never fit on a scooter. But, you know, I'm watching these people and they're riding around having a day. Yeah. You know, I mean, if you live in a condo, for example, it's less parking. It's incredible. It's great. Yeah. If you live close enough to work and like you said, yeah, like a a downtown environment, why would you not scoot to work? Like, that sounds great. This is going to be fairly reasonably priced. They're going to start at $500 for the base model and then they'll go up to several thousand. Again, I don't know why you would off-road with a scooter, but Jeep and Razor seem to think there's a market for this. You might you might end up like maybe it's not necessarily recreational off off-roading. Are we calling it off-off-side walking? Yeah. <laughs> that really is what it is. Basically. Maybe it's not necessarily for recreation, but it could be- become useful if let's say you need to cut corners and let's say you do like to scoot want to scoot to work, but you happen to ha- there's a field that kind of is right there, so you have to go all the way around it. Maybe this is a good way to be like, fuck this, I can ride right over it. <laughs> and you just make your way across that way. Well, I was going through the details, trying to figure out if this was a practical purchase for me, because again, you could just buy a dirt <laughs> I bike. I can tell you it's not, oh, but it's go not. ahead. I know. You, it's me. never going to happen. <laughs> My girlfriend would never let me do that anyway. And don't get me wrong, I don't think I'm a scooter type either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it, it's just not right. But they may have made that determination for me, because as I read through the fine print here, It says, this is intended for adults only. 
Okay, so don't bring, give this to your kid for their ride to school. Exactly. Okay. Intended for adults only. Maximum rider weight is 154 pounds. It's only for thin people. I don't know a lot of adults that are 154 pounds. Guys, anyway. I don't think I have a one friend that's under 160. That sounds to me like they're marketing to teenagers. Am I wrong there? Is this more for like people who don't have their driver's license, but you can scoot. So when you're 12 to, you know, 16 years old, maybe that's maybe that's it for you. And maybe your parents would be willing to get you that scooter so that you can get to work and maybe get to your part time job after school. Can't afford gas anyway. I mean, I think that's a good option. By the way, gas went down four cents a liter at midnight. You can't even fucking notice. It's still a dollar fifty seven. It's fucking crazy. I don't know where you're listening to us from in Canada or around the world, but in Canada, in Ontario today, we're paying a dollar fifty seven nine per liter. We had to fill up the 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 ram. We've got a Dodge Ram on the weekend. How much did that go? Was it two hundred bucks? Oh my god! It was like we just like my husband and I looked at each other like. (laughs) It's a car payment now to fill up. If you have an SUV or a or a pickup, it's a car payment to fill it. Help me! I'm poor. Yeah, I mean, and then you think about the people using it for work reasons, right? Who have to drive around in their large vehicles, whether it be a large van or a truck. I mean, we all know prices of everything have gone up, and that's one of the reasons why, because it's insane. Last thing I want to mention here, these were just approved in America. I don't even know who does it. It, It's a a branch of the federal government, the Highway Traffic Safety Administration. In any case, they approve things for cars. And we're usually not that far behind them, so I have a feeling this will come to Canada soon, too. The U.S. government has just approved high-tech, smart headlights for your car. The best thing about these things is they're intuitive. They know, like, okay, a certain time of day, headlights should come on. Ooh, it's foggy out. We should apply the lights. They can dim or get brighter depending on your personal need. So for me, I drive up Guelph Line in the morning. It's very dark between Derry Road and Campbellville. Sure is. No street lights. It's dark. There's deer running everywhere. It's scary as shit. These could anticipate, okay, he's in a dark situation right now, so we need to throw the high beams on. The problem is a lot of people either leave it too long or forget altogether to turn off their high beams when there's another car coming at you. You blind the other driver. So these will turn off automatically, the high beams, but not like the current models. Right now, some people have newer cars that the headlights or the, the high beams turn off when an oncoming car it's is approaching. An auto. Yeah, there's an auto, but there's a lot of glitches to that, I gotta say. Yeah, Me. it doesn't work well. No, it's delayed. I find it's delayed usually if I use it, where it's like, oh God, oh God, oh God, is it gonna shut off? Is it gonna shut off? And then I go to shut it off and oh, okay, it did shut off because it noticed the car is coming. Also, when there's bad weather, and that's that tends to be when you might use it, if there's rain or something, the the sensors don't work anymore. Yeah. So we can't tell if there's a car coming or not, if it's raining, for example, or if it's foggy, etc. Well, in this case, that car not only can see, it can sense when a car is oncoming. But instead of just turning off your high beams for you, it does have that smart technology. It can block out the section that's in the line of sight of the other driver. So your high beams can still be on. You can still have the benefit of that extra light ahead of you, but the oncoming driver won't be blinded by it because it aims it in a certain way that it's not directly head on with the other driver. 
I'm interested in this. That sounds good. Doesn't that sound like a fantastic idea? And it was just um, it was just developed, so it'll start to hit the vehicle soon. Like it'll start to be in vehicle soon. They're or? gonna they're gonna put it in the 2022 models that haven't come out yet, and they're Great. it's gonna be in all the 2023 models. Great. This is good stuff. Very good. Anything that makes the road safer and takes away responsibility from the driver. There's way too many people that don't even turn their headlights on in rain and snow because they assume, well, the car knows if I should have my headlights on or not. They're automatic. Yeah. Well, it doesn't work that we way. We get way too much over the course of many years we've done this, especially in the mornings where it's the weather is bad, foggy, rainy, whatever it might be, or even just dark, which it is early in the morning. People saying someone doesn't have their headlights on. Like I've saw five, six people without their headlights on. Just keep in mind, like people, if they can't see you, might hit you. Like, wouldn't you do it for your own safety? (laughs) I don't know. I don't get it. And on that, we'll say thank you for listening to this episode of After 9. We will be back tomorrow with another episode on Fridays. Dave Blizzard usually joins us and we're going to be in just the the soup tomorrow. Yeah. The way it's going to go is... uh, All this rain that we got overnight is starting to freeze. The ice pellets are coming this afternoon. Then heavy snow. Toronto could get another 25 centimeters of snow tonight. And it's all going to fall tonight. And I don't know that the crews are going to be able to keep up with it and have those roads cleared by tomorrow morning. So I'm fully expecting a snow day tomorrow for kids, which would make it a four-day family day weekend. (laughs) Certainly would. That's fantastic. Uh, Oh, Waterloo Brewing is I like their beer and they happen to be here in Kitchener where we do our FM radio show. I'm going to give them a mention because they put out a deal for the family day long weekend and right through the end of the month, their four core, which are their four main beers, they've got a lager, a dark, they've got an IPA and an amber. 48 cans for a hundred bucks. That's the kind of deal that you typically see in America, but they're doing it here in Canada. That's what I call a stock up deal. You know, sure, you could attempt to drink them all in the long weekend, which is kind of maybe how you might think of it as being advertised. But for me, I hear stuff like that and I think, perfect. That's the perfect opportunity to stock up for when I do have people over. And I could probably use that all the way through the spring and summer, depending on who comes to visit, of course. I'd go splits with you, and, and you've agreed to give me all the darks, but I can't also have all the loggers, so I don't think we've got a deal. I, I don't think so. I mean, I'm good with you taking the dark. I'm not a, I'm not a dark beer fan at all. W- what about the amber? What are we going to do with those? I like them. I, I just don't like them as much as I like the lager. We can split those. Pour the boar. Waterloo Brewing. They're in Kitchener, and you can get that deal at their tap house. I, don't, I still can't get beer delivered from a beer uh, from a brewery, can we? No, they do have. They, they are Uber available. <laughs> they are available at uh, LCBO stores. Just not this particular. De- you're not going to be able to score this particular deal at the beer stores or the LCBO location. So you you got to get it from the tap house. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Have yourselves a great Thursday, everybody. We will see you tomorrow with another episode of After Nine. Ciao. The After Nine podcast is powered by Tony Johal, broker at Remax Twin City. Your home sold, guaranteed, or he'll buy. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone. Like Andy's kid. 
<laughs> For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.